up, Big Nose? I'm Dave Michaels. I'm Brian Betts. And welcome to Beer Me A Movie. It's the movie podcast where me and Brian kind of just go back and forth throwing each other things that we don't know what's coming next. Yeah, surprising each other all the time. And then, you know, applying our own arbitrary scale of these movies. And if we match the Rotten Tomato score, we got a dwink. That's sort of the way the show goes, except for this month, because we fucked up our scheduling so bad that this <laughs> is all audience August. Brian, go ahead. Audience. And this week's pick is an absolute banger because it comes to us courtesy of Cubicle Monkey. It is 1979's Monty Python's Life of Brian, directed by Terry fucking Jones. Terry fucking Jones. These Monty Python boys. Ooh, boy. If they keep up all of these ha-has, they're going to have a pretty good career, I think. It sounds like uh, they might be onto something. This is the first movie that we've ever done for a show. That's not true. The second movie we've ever done for a show that I listened to the commentary track while watching it. The first one was when me and you did Armageddon back Armageddon. on Patreon way back, and we listened to Ben Heflack pretty much calling Michael Bay a fucking idiot the entire time. <laughs> it was fantastic. If you guys can get your hands on the Criterion Collection, I can't believe it either, version of Armageddon, <laughs> the commentary tracks are worth it. Highly 100%. recommended. Yeah. Brian, have you ever seen Monty Python's Life of Brian? Um, surprise, surprise. No, I have not. Now, you thought you might have seen a little bit of it. Was that a That's lie? That's what I thought. Yeah, I, th I felt like I had seen parts of it, bits, pieces here and there, but no, never none of it. Quick thoughts. Go ahead. <laughs> this is fucking incredible. I'm very on record saying that I think Life of Brian is Monty Python's masterpiece. And I know that's kind of like blasphemous, but that's kind of what this episode's going to be all about. So that's true. Here we are, man. You want to just dive right into this thing? Yeah, let's get right into it. Our first category is story motivation. We're going to be taking the film synopsis right off of Wikipedia. Brian Cohen is born in a stable next door to the one in which Jesus was born, which initially confuses the three wise men who come to praise the king, the future king of Jews. I like the way this thing starts out because... You get your Python boys visiting this little baby. You get Terry Jones in drag. Sorry, Florida. And the best part about it is that they're like praising this baby that's here. And the first thought that I had watching them say, oh, we praise you, oh, Brian, was Brian's going to jerk off at this movie at some point. Yeah, I was instantly like, this is a movie for me. Spoilers. Brian's going to get crucified at the end. Not this Brian, the Brian in the movie. And it was my favorite part just because it made me feel like. We're putting this Brian in his place. The whole Brian situation is very confusing. Not a movie for me. <laughs> <laughs> Brian later grows up into an idealistic young man, played, of course, by Graham fucking Chapman, who resents the continuing Roman occupation of Judea. And now, when you dig into the lore of Monty Python, you start to hear all these stories about Graham Chapman being a massive, massive alcoholic, John Cleese wanting to play the lead in this, and Graham mm -hmm. Chapman saying, not a chance. I'll sober up so I can do it. And then Graham Chapman did. So much so that he was the onset doctor for this movie. He had to be because everyone had the shits because they were filming on location. <laughs> <laughs> but it's fantastic because in the commentary, they were talking about how drunk Graham Chapman was while they made Holy Grail. That when you look at the way that they cut that movie and they shot that movie, they would feed Graham Chapman a line as King Arthur and he would say the line and they would have to cut away and then he would just start with another line after the cutaway because they had to keep just feeding him. And in yeah. this, they actually got to write it so that he could do it 
as a true sketch because he can remember his lines. That is a significant improvement in drunkenness levels. It's a massive improvement. And it's surprising that they even were able to write this because they went down to the Bahamas in order to write as a group. But they kind of like break away into their own individual groups. I'm pretty sure it's Chapman and Cleese that have always written together. It's uh, Palin and Jones that have always written together. And then Eric Idle just does whatever he does and Gilliam does whatever he does. That checks out. But they said that they like set proper hours for writing this movie from like eight to five. And then when they were done, they just partied. And the person that they had down there who was waiting for them, like he was waiting for school to get out almost, was Keith fucking Moon. Oh my God. So just imagine Keith Moon sitting there on the beach, like twiddling his fingers, just like, guys, are you guys done with work yet? I want to play. And you know Keith Moon fucking played. <laughs> Keith Moon plays hard. Sure does. While listening to Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, Brian becomes infatuated with an attractive young rebel named Judith, who's played by Sue fucking Jones Davies. You're giving her a fucking? I am. Is it because she had a nude scene? No. Why are you giving her a fucking? Um, because of what she does later in the movie, like extremely late in the movie. You have me curious. Now, that's an interesting one. This is like a preemptive fucking. That's the best kind. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm not quite sure what that means, but wink, wink, nudge, nudge. This is one of my favorite table setter scenes that you can find in a comedy because it's just Eric Idle calling somebody big nose. <laughs> and that's the joke. That's the whole joke. Eric Idle's amazing. I guess I gotta ask you then, who's your favorite Python? And that's such a loaded question. It is a loaded question, and I feel like you already know my answer, because it is Eric Idle. I think he might be the funniest. I, I really love Palin. I think he's terrific. He's so versatile, too. But I feel like a lot of people's answer would be Cleese. I, that's, I think that is probably the most popular answer. Cleese is probably the one I respect the most, because he wouldn't allow any improvising. At all in the movies. Like, he's word perfect to the script. Which is Which bananas. is insane. He's when a comedy about purist. <laughs> what these scripts must actually look like, if that's the case. I mean, they gotta look better than the Oppenheim script. Have you read that thing at all? No, I have not. It's written in first person. I hate that. Yeah, it kind of goes against everything about screenwriting that you learn. And the one thing that was going around on Twitter or X or whatever we call it Ugh. was... One page on it just says, interior, house, we are fucking. <laughs> it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> nice. Uh, Oppenheimer, terrific, by the way. That's what I've heard. I still haven't seen it. I have seen Barbie twice, though. Twice? Twice. And you've seen New Turtles, right? I have seen New Turtles. It's fantastic. It's so good. It's so good. It's I don't know so who that fun. movie's for, to tell you the truth. I don't either. I really can't figure it out, but I don't care. No, it's kind of just like, are you late 20s or 30-somethings? It's probably for you. Are you a little little kid? You might enjoy it, too. You might enjoy it. I brought a five-year-old. She loved it. Yeah, see? So. Wasn't even my kid. Don't even know are where I found her. <laughs> are you a teenager? You might hate it. You might hate it. You might not get it. What's the song, No Diggity? Ugh. <laughs> so many 90s references. So many. Brian's Desire for Judith and hatred of the Romans, further exaggerated by his mother, played, of course, by Terry fucking Jones, revealing that Brian himself is half Roman, inspire him to join the People's Front of Judea, the PFJ. 
one of the many fractious and bickering independence movements that spend more time fighting each other than they do the Romans. The way that Wikipedia is writing this is very, like, historical fiction. Big time. There are some words in this uh, article I had to look up. It's not a secret that I edit every single episode, but I'm editing this one because there's words here that you would not expect. And uh, <laughs> Brian is stumbling as much as you would expect a person drinking to stumble. Brian is always a little bit mobile-mouthed, so <laughs> you put in some extra syllabic words in here, and he's going to have a hard time. It's true. That you just porky-pigged a little. That was terrific. <laughs> <laughs> to prove himself, Brian is tasked by the PFJ to paint slogans on Roman governor Pilate's palace. It always throws me off when they don't say Pontius Pilate. Because it's just weird just to throw Pilate, Pilate out there because it's just Pilate. Really? It's the Pilates. But yeah, he's going to go about trying to paint Romans go home on a building. Yes, and a Roman officer is going to stop him. He's going to get stopped. And the officer is not concerned that there is graffiti happening. He's more concerned about the appalling grammar. And he has to correct Brian's writing to Romani Ite Domum. And then orders him to write it a hundred times. Now, John Cleese looks like he's a good school teacher for a pretty good reason <laughs> because yeah graham chapman was a doctor before he got into the whole comedy thing john cleese was a latin teacher and harrison ford was a carpenter didn't even know that one no one's told me that in the last five minutes <laughs> and vigo mortensen hurt his toe kicking a helmet hey you know who else was a carpenter jesus i'm glad he's out of this movie he'd be distracting he would be very distracting if he kept popping up. She's like, oh, yeah, there's Jesus over there doing stuff. He's doing look magic those, tricks or whatever. Those fish. What's, what's that with that? Why is he with the guy that doesn't talk while he does the magic? That's weird. <laughs> is that Chris Rock? It's Chris Angel. It's a holy movie. <laughs> I was talking about the 13th Apostle. Does Chris Rock have a dick in that movie, Dogma? I believe he does, yes. Is it confirmed? I Like, I... Don't know. I want to say I want to say he says he does because he's concerned that, that people will think, think he that doesn't. he doesn't. He's okay. like he's not an angel. He's a human who is passed on. Gotcha. So he still has the full package. That's a tricky one to understand when it comes down. I just watched Clerks three also, so I've been thinking a lot about Kevin Smith movies. <laughs> Clerks three also is very good until you think about it, and then you're like, yeah, all right. It's not a movie that's meant to be thought about. It's nope. a movie that's meant to be felt on the spot. Yes. Not after. No. Feel it Not in the moment. Be like, ah, oh, Kevin Smith is alive. He does make movies. Sort of. That's what it's about. Maybe we'll talk about that one day. But Maybe. Maybe one day. Maybe one day. That's an interesting movie. I got hit with the feels, and then I went, now hold on a second movie. <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> a quick story about Brian writing on this wall. They got assured by the prop department that the paint that they used would just wipe right off. And they're writing on a historical wall in Tunisia. And yeah. uh, it, it didn't. Oops. Yeah. So they actually had to go in under the cover of night to kind of fix the wall. On the graffiti the wall. Yeah. So I'm imagining if you go find this wall and like you take a layer off of it, you're going to find this wording still there. That's fantastic. I love that. Only in the one spot because they use like a whole mat thing for the yeah. large shot. And yeah. it looks great. It looks incredible. I didn't even realize it was a mat until afterwards. Well, I only knew it was a map because Terry Gilliam told me on the commentary. Because on there the commentary, go. there's a lot of sniping going on. Interesting. There were two different commentaries. You had Palin 
and Cleese do one. And that mm-hmm. one was fine because I did watch both of them. That one was fine. You didn't really get a whole lot out of it. And then Jones, Gilliam, and Idol did another one. I think that's the one I would have chosen. And on the Holy Grail, there were two directors. It was Terry Jones and Terry Gilliam who co-directed right. that movie. Anything that you read about this movie talks about how Terry Gilliam's like, yeah, I didn't want to direct this one at all. I didn't want to do it. I wanted nothing to do with it. These guys are hard to wrangle in. I didn't want to do it. I wanted to make sure it looked really good, though. But the entire time he's sounding just insanely salty that he's not directing it (laughs) and telling Terry Jones, who's not in the room with him doing the commentary about how much of a shit job he did in some places. (laughs) And Terry Jones saying, like, in the opening credits, that Terry Gilliam animated, he's like, oh, yeah, there you go, directed by Terry Jones, ah, and then you see the angel fly up and it gets shot, and you know Terry Gilliam's just taking out his frustrations there. Yep. It's like, (laughs) wow, guys, wow. (laughs) Little infighting amongst the pythons. A lot of infighting between those two. The next morning, Brian is finished writing out and is subsequently chased away by a separate patrol of legionaries, unaware that Brian's act of vandalism has actually been ordered by one of their own centurions. Words, Wikipedia words. This is when he has to go to the palace to kidnap Pontius Pilate's wife? Yes. And then he gets abruptly captured by the palace guards. He does because the people's front of Judea bumps into a rival front of something or other. Yeah, I think it's probably the uh, Judean people's front. The Judean people's front pops up later. Oh, oh, I guess it would be because they're wearing the same stuff, but... I love this so much. And it's supposed to be like this whole commentary on all these British weird factions and whatnot. And lands perfectly well here in America. Sure does. Uh, 50 years later. Yep. <laughs> the 70s were a weird time in Britain. The 2020s are a weird time here. They sure are. So the guards all start, uh, as Wikipedia says, suffering paroxysms <laughs> of laughter. Over uh, Pilate's speech impediment and his obliviousness to the hilarious names of his friends Biggest Dickus and Incontinentia Buttocks. They're very funny names. They're hilarious names. I love how they did this scene because the extras who were playing guards did not know what was going to happen and were under strict orders to not react to anything that Michael Palin was saying. Yeah, I don't like that at all. Knowing that Monty Python are the ones who are saying the things. Yeah, it's like, hey, go into this room and do not react. But I like that because of their paroxysms, that they're uh, so distracted by laughing at the obliviousness of the hilarious names. I'm just rereading these words because it's insane. It's absolutely insane. That Brian's able to just run away and no one notices. Yeah, they start chasing him and he gets all the way to the top of this tower. And it's like, oh, where'd he go from here? He did like an Assassin's Creed jump, but instead of landing in like a hay bale and unlocking a new area of the map, uh, he lands in a spaceship. He lands in a spaceship driven by purple cycloptic aliens who bring him all around the galaxy and then crash land back on Earth exactly where he would have landed. <laughs> Pretty amazing, right? <laughs> so good. I love how he just and kind of like walks out of this wreckage and he just has to carry on being chased. What an absolutely insane thing to do in a movie. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> and it's so perfect. It's so perfect. I love it so much. I was dying, especially because after he gets back on Earth, nobody for the rest of the movie acknowledges that this happened. There's not a, like a, a wink nod. There's nothing. Why would there have to be? It's a I perfect it. segue to the next thing, because <laughs> in order for him to hide now, he's got to 
kind of blend in with all these prophets who are preaching to the people. Was this like a thing back then? Like prophets would just line up on a stage and people would just stand around know. just listening? Wasn't like who there. Sounds Couldn't best? tell you. Just a bunch of prophets repeating the words of Jesus' sermons uh, along the street, and he lands on top of one of them. But then he has to like cover himself by saying bullshit. Yeah. And people are buying his bullshit. People are not buying his bullshit at first until he starts saying some real good bullshit, and then he immediately stops mid-sentence when the Roman soldiers depart. But is it good bullshit, or is it bullshit that's vague enough to be intriguing? Uh, you know, it was intriguing bullshit, exactly. Because I feel like that's like the hook of it all, isn't it, when it comes to religion? Sorry if you're yeah. religious. You're in the I'm wrong not. place. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, he stops mid-sentence, and his small audience is so intrigued that they demand to know how the sentence ends. He's like, oh, no, that's it. It's nothing. And then they start following him. Very literally. <sighs> Uh, he grows frantic, runs into the mountains, and they declare him the Messiah. So Wikipedia is really just trying to get this over with in the worst way, because they skip the entire scene where he has to haggle with Eric Idle, and listening to Eric Idle say the word haggle oh, is like the so last good. thing I want to hear in my life. Like, when I die, my, my kids are going to be surrounding me like, I love you, Daddy, I love you, Daddy, and I'm like, put on Life of Brian. No, not that scene, no, not that scene, no, that scene. All right, now just uh, loop it. I want to hear Well, you Eric go a haggle. Hago. Hago. <laughs> Go, Hago. <laughs> oh, it's so good. I love that he's just like, 20 for this fake beard. All right, cool. Here's 20. What? No, you have to haggle. He ends up giving it to him for like 17 whatever, and then he gets a gourd out of the deal, too. He's like, yeah, the gourd's worth 10 if it's worth one. 16 and a free gourd. And he's like, oh, well, I already gave you 20. He's like, oh, okay. Eric Idle, man. He's the best. So He good. might be the best. So good. <laughs> Also, when the these people declare that he is the Messiah, that Brian's the Messiah, there's a whole scene where he jumps into a hole with Simon, the holy man, played by Terry fucking Jones. A very naked Terry fucking Jones. A extremely naked Terry Jones. But he has a long beard that almost covers things. Until you turn around and you see the Until dangles from behind. Around. And you get, yeah, the old uh, Dolph Lundgren dangle. Uh, the Punisher is a movie. <laughs> Do you think that the Dolphy dangle should be more appropriate in things like you look at something like righteous gemstones they got no problem showing the day even in this movie right. they got no problem showing the day that's true but do you think it's any more or less appropriate when you show the backside dolphy dangle i think the dolphy dangle is more funny i do too because you're kind of looking for it as much as exactly. you're saying you're not you're kind of looking for it. you're like, like you're are like, they gonna do it are they gonna do it is this a true nude scene because he's facing away from the camera he could be wearing you know a modesty sock but no no th there it is the Dolphy Dangle. I feel like I've ever made a movie and I have multiple Dolphy Dangles. I want my actors to like Dolphy Dangle. feel comfortable enough that they could Dolphy Dangle as much as they want. Their hearts can. Does contend. Schwarzenegger Dolphy Dangle in Terminator? I don't think he does because he has the side profile when he's like on the knee and it's to show right. off all of his glutes and whatnot. Right. And then he stands up and I mean, you got to imagine his balls are ripped though. <laughs> Just giant veiny um why are we doing this i don't actually know anymore <laughs> <laughs> oh the things we lean into he's got a natural bat wing he doesn't so much need to stretch <laughs> ryan reynolds never done the dolby dangle now i know you can go on like what is it mr skin or whatever it is is that a, this, the nude site uh i think so oh, no, I remember. It it's is. been a long time since so i've seen knocked up i think that's the one right yeah that's the one um 
before this episode comes out, we need to get DolphyDangle.com. I think we might have to. <laughs> we might need to get that that URL uh, just to protect it. That might be like a good new thing of like foreplay too. Oh yeah, because like if you turn around, and you wiggle your wongle at that someone, and it's it's weird. You don't want that. Yeah, like propeller it. Yeah, that's all fine and dandy <laughs> until someone gets hurt. I do have a friend who has received a Dolphy Dangle pick before, and and the the biggest question you have is how'd you take that? Well, it got a friend, obviously. Who took that picture for you? <laughs> <laughs> True friendship. Is letting another friend do take a picture of you doing a dolphy dangle. <laughs> I guess we are not true friends because not yet. No, no thanks. Not yet. Uh, patrons, stand by. <laughs> patrons, now known as the Dolphy Danglers. That's right. <laughs> and that's why they get two picks for the audience pick. Exactly. One is a movie pick. The other is. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge, say no more. <laughs> so Brian's going to jump on this very naked Terry Jones's foot, and he speaks for the first time in like 18 years. Yeah. So when the mob of people who are following him get there, he's like, I haven't said a word in 18 years. He's like, a miracle! A miracle! <laughs> but I love how much Graham Chapman does not want to be the Messiah. He keeps saying he's not <laughs> the Messiah. See, I'm not the Messiah. And the true Messiah... And John Cleese said something along the lines of, like, you are the Messiah. I should know. I followed a few. I followed a few. So good. Religion's funny, huh? John fucking Cleese. He's amazing. He's so good. And then, of course, that's followed up by what's her name going, only the true Messiah denies his divinity. And I love Grand Chapman. Well, that doesn't give me much of a chance. <laughs> He's like, fine, I am the Messiah. And then everybody's like, he is the Messiah. Oh, my God. I love it so much. So Brian goes back home and spends the night in bed with Judith. And the next morning, still naked, discovers an enormous crowd assembled outside his mother's house. After he opens the windows and gets to show his Willy Wonka to the world. His, his Willy Wonka. Uh, notably, <laughs> Graham Chapman, not Jewish. Not Jewish. <laughs> so uh, that, was something, that was something that Terry Jones pointed out, and they had to do multiple takes using a rubber band to make him appear Jewish. That's wild to me. And it's on IMDb, so you know it's true. It has to be true. No one's ever put anything false there. Uh, are Were you the official Dolph Dangler on this movie? Uh, I feel like you were. I'm about to be. <laughs> I will gladly update my IMDb page for this. That is not a problem. Uh, Brian's mother attempts to disperse the crowd, um, but she is rebuffed, and she consents to Brian, uh, Brian addressing them. I'm not used to saying my own name. It's really weird. It's kind of like whenever someone asks for your phone number and you have to think about it for a second because you don't call yourself. I don't call me. I keep trying to say Brying like it's a verb. And I think that don't might be something. Don't try to make that I, a thing. We've already TM Dolphy Dangle and I don't want you to have another thing. I feel like anytime I stumble over words, that's Brying. That might be it. All right, fine. <laughs> it might become a thing. I love how this crowd is just repeating everything that the mother's saying and then repeating everything that Brian's saying and talking yeah. in unison and it's Fantastic. And Brian's like, you guys got to think for yourself. And he's like, yeah, think for ourselves. You're all individuals. Yes, we are. I'm not. <laughs> the PFJ seeks to exploit Brian's celebrity status by having him minister to a thronging crowd of followers demanding miracle cures. But Brian sneaks out the back, only to be captured by the Romans and sentenced to crucifixion. Now, crucifixion is bad, right? Uh, unless you're Ben. 
Ben is the guy that's strung up in the in the uh, dungeon, saying that crucifixion is the, the easy way out. That's an upside down Michael Palin, isn't it? It sure is. <laughs> <laughs> in celebration of Passover, a crowd has assembled outside of the palace of Pontius Pilate, who offers to pardon a prisoner of their choice. Did Wikipedia just alliterate? So, whoever wrote this Wikipedia page is having a ball, but only for themselves. I feel like somebody rewrote this knowing that we were doing this movie, and now I'm just stumbling over everything. I hate it if that's the case. But I mean, at least <laughs> you don't have any speech impediment where the letter R is funny. That's called a rotasticism. Rota, rotasistic. Oh my god, Rota- I put it in there. In Wikipedia. Yeah, it's in the Wikipedia article. The next line is, the crowd shouts out names containing the letter R, mocking pilots rotasistic. Speech impediment? Yeah. Wow. It's wee-wee not nice. It's wee-wee not nice. And for that, we should wish Wadwick. Those wowdy wapscallions. Allegedly, this was the hardest scene to film. I bet. Because you have all these people who are fake laughing for this long and this hard. Yeah. That can't be fun. And then you have Biggest Dickus show up to read some more of the <laughs> names. And it's of course, he has a insane. list. <laughs> Eventually, though, Judith's going to appear in the crowd. She kind of gets the other and says, hey, release Brian. To which they all think it's hysterical. Like, the, oh, the yeah, crowd's Brian. Like, oh, yeah, Brian. Brian. He says, well, we's Brian. And then they do because they luckily have a Brian. The problem is, is that crucifixion party's on the way. Exactly. So his order is eventually relayed to the guards, but in a scene that parodies the climax of the film Spartacus, various crucified people all claim to be Brian. So well, I love how you have the Eric Idle character, who I, I don't even know if he's named or not. Mr. Cheeky. Is that what it is? That is. Beautiful. But he's the one who says, like, I'm Brian. And he's like, no, I'm just kidding. Yeah, hang me back up there. I'm all good. <laughs> <laughs> he does the same thing when they're leaving for the crucifixion. He's like, actually, I'm supposed to be free today. And they're like, oh, okay, we'll just go over there. He's like, no, I'm just kidding. I'm, I'm supposed to get crucified. I love the one where you have Terry Jones who wants to shoulder his brother's burden, like try to be a good Samaritan, good human being by helping this man carry oh, the cross. Yeah. And the guy just fucks right off. He just runs away, <laughs> leaving him with the cross to get crucified. So good. I feel like that's what I would do, though, in that situation. Yeah, 100%. They're not going to track you. Let's face it. Right. Not gonna be like fingerprinting that cross. <laughs> oh, we have a GPS in his phone. We'll find him. It's like Law and Order, Jerusalem, ancient, or something like that. Ancient Roman NSA. Boom, boom. Other opportunities for a reprieve for Brian are denied as the PFJ and then Judith praise his martyrdom, and his mother expresses regret for having raised him. When the PFJ shows up, John Cleese openly acknowledges they're not going to help him. It's a martyrdom. <laughs> Great for you. And, and I love how very he does like, you. one line of, for he's a jolly good fellow, and someone else tries to start up another line. He goes, no, nope, no, no. And nope, I nope. love the, the really, really <laughs> shitty applause that he gets, too. It's like, so good. Good job. Okay, bye. We're real proud of you, Brian. But then the Judean People's Front shows up. That's right. And, and everyone's scared of that. Everyone goes running off. And it's their suicide squad. Yeah, it's Harley Quinn and Deadshot and Pete Davidson for some reason. <laughs> I forgot he was even there. <laughs> he was in the second one, right? Yeah. That's right. Briefly. And then the, the squad commits mass suicide as a form of political protest. Got him. They really showed them. That's so, Eric Idle's line as he's dying. <laughs> <laughs> Condemned to a slow and painful death, Brian finds his spirits lifted by his fellow sufferers 
who cheerfully sing, always look on the bright side of life. It's the perfect way to end this movie. It's so good. It's so good. You have always look on the bright side of life while you have this mass crucifixion happening with all these people with a nice sunset silhouette shot coming in. And that is Monty Python's The Life of Brian. This movie's so damn good. It's so funny. It's the story so motivation, good. the story, it's all there. The motivation's even more there. I agree. Ten. Ten. The next category is casting. Um, it's the Pythons. Six people play 40 roles in this movie. You can tell, though, in this one. <laughs> you can. The fact that there are 40 roles to even play, it stands out. Like, at one point, John Cleese runs into John Cleese. Yeah. Um, the, it's no secret that I prepare a cheat sheet for this show. And um, eventually I just gave up and wrote, fuck off, this cheat sheet is impossible. <laughs> yes, you did. <laughs> They're all great, obviously. Why wouldn't they be? They're all fantastic, be? yeah. It's the Pythons. It's impossible to have bad casting when it comes to them. Another 10. Another 10. Next up is protagonist. Brian. Brian. Shows his donger. He does. He shows his rubber banded donger. That's impressive, though, because you figure if you put a rubber band on it, then the, the tippy is going to get a little bit miscolored. Right. Like you only have a few seconds to get that shot. It's kind exactly. of like your magic hour shot. The end of the day where the light's perfect <laughs> and this, it's just a penis with a rubber band on it. Apparently, they uh, they actually did this shot um, in front of the extras and lots of people legitimately screamed. Because they were shocked by Graham Chapman's penis? They were shocked. That's not the reaction you want when anyone looks at your penis. No. Oh, my. <laughs> I, you know, I would rather take that over like, that's it. Right? Imagine you swing those doors open and they're like, <laughs> just a sad trombone playing. <laughs> Crickets. Brian's terrific. Graham Chapman's really good in this movie. He's so good. And he gets to play Biggest Dickus. Yes, he does. So good for him. He got to show his Biggest Dickus and then play it. It's fantastic. <laughs> Ten. Ten. Antagonist. This is a tricky one. Is it the Romans? I don't is know it, if it is. Because it, uh, it kind of sounds like- followers? Religion as a whole. The PFJ? Christianity? Is, is the, Jesus is the antagonist? Yes, Jesus wishes. He got that <laughs> type of role. He's always the good guy. I don't know, whatever it is. I like this movie, damn it. Eight. Eight for the antagonist. <laughs> Maybe Whoever it's the it aliens. Be. Who knows? Screenplay. I'm going with a 10. And the yes. reason I'm going with 10 is because this idea for the movie came when they were on tour in Amsterdam, the Pythons. And Eric Idle came up with the idea of Jesus Christ, lust and glory. And it cracked everybody up so much that they went, there's no way we could possibly do that. And after that got said, it was, we're absolutely doing that. Now we have to do that, yeah. So just a simple throwaway idea. One man trying yeah. to make another man laugh. It's now a movie. Turned into one of the funniest movies of all time. And also... That fucking alien scene in the middle, just knowing that that was just in the screenplay, like, oh, yeah, and then aliens pick him up, and there's a whole thing here. I love it. I love it so much. Ten again? Ten. Style and tone. I feel like if we don't score this high, then Terry Gilliam's going to show up and kill us in our sleep. That's how I feel, too. He's, you know what? He's probably just going to draw us getting killed. And then shoot it in fisheye bubble lens close-up? Yeah. The movie looks great. It does. It's shot on location, a lot of great costumes, a lot of great looks to it. There's a lot of intention put into some of the scenes that doesn't actually get picked up because uh, 
you know, the director and, and they were kind of at odds. They were big time at odds. One of the things that keeps coming up in the commentaries and everything I read about this movie is Pontius Pilate's palace. Yes. How apparently the side behind the camera is so elaborately detailed and we never, ever see it. And Terry Gilliam <laughs> never forgave Terry Jones for the way he shot this scene. Yeah. He says that, yeah, he leaned into the character comedy, which is the right move, dot, 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 but. But. Yeah, th- I mean, he, like, designed it as a synagogue that would have been taken over by the Romans that just had their Roman stuff dumped on top of it. And it's apparently a very intricate, beautiful set that just didn't get shot. He's not salty about it all anymore, though. No. This movie looks great. It has no business looking this great. That's true. It has no business looking as good as it does. Nine. Nine. Because those aliens did not look realistic to me. They did not. I knew that it was just a guy in a rubber mask. I immediately recognized that that was just a hand holding that eyeball. (laughs) Director. Terry fucking Jones. Terry fucking Jones. For his... Much bad blood as there was on this set between two certain people. Terry Jones directed the shit out of this movie. Yeah, yeah. I, like, the brilliance to have, like, in the scene, the biggest dickest scene, to have the extras not know what was going to happen. So they it's would a have smart actual, move. actual reactions. And they had to really plan out that scene so that they could just keep rolling with it. So everybody had to know their blocking and their work, their lines so well because they needed genuine reactions from the extras. I'm going to go with an eight. Oh, feels pretty good. I, th- I think that's that's fine. It's a comedy. It's a period comedy. It's a tricky comedy to pull off. And it's listed as one of the best comedies ever made. Yeah, which is great. It's just, I mean, directing. What are you really asking for, though, when it comes to this? Yeah. What did you actually do? Hey, friends, go be funny. OK. All right. Hey, group of funniest people in the world. Why don't you go be funny in front of this camera? Not a big ask, is it? Not when you phrase it like that. <laughs> Next up is music. Whatever you're thinking, you're wrong. Jeffrey Bergon did the score, and the score is what it is. But uh, there's two songs in this movie that really elevate this to higher than anything. The title song, Life of Brian? The titular song. Done in James Bond style by a so 16-year-old? Good. So good. And then, of course, always look on the bright side of life, which is always look on the bright side now. of life. Is one of the biggest Broadway shows of the past twenty years is Monty Python Spam a lot, and it closes with always look on the bright side of life. Yeah, yeah, Huge. and it still works, especially when you look at Eric Idle doing like that insane cocky oh, accent he put on for so it. So good, that was a choice. So yeah, the first time they recorded it, he recorded it straight, and he's like, "It's just not right." So they redid it with the Cockney, and just uh gave a whistle. <laughs> Sounds like Dick Van Dyke trying to act in Mary Poppins. Yes. yes. That is Eric Idle doing co- Oh, God, it's so good. It's Eric Idle doing Dick Van Dyke. <laughs> <laughs> I'd watch. Yeah. All right. Oh. <laughs> A lot of high leg kicks. Well, the higher the leg kick, the more Dolph Dangle you get. <laughs> That's true. At that point, it's a Dicky Dangle. Dick Van Dangle. <laughs> So for music, 10? Absolutely, it's a 10. It's a 10. It gets the Dick Van Dyke bump. Next up is Box Office. Uh, this movie only cost $4 million to make. No, really? 
$1.75 million, which is a 520% increase. That's obviously a 10. It's amazing this cost $4 million to make, especially since they were on location for yeah. most of it. Yeah, but it's good um, for them. They made a ton of money on this one based on the initial budget. Uh, it, it, opening weekend, we don't have a lot of information on this because it was 1979, but it came out the same week as Apocalypse Now and beat it. There you go. That says something. So, uh, according to Box Office Mojo, it finished second that weekend to Alien. As it should, probably. But there's only record of four movies being released. So. What was the fourth? You named three of them. Rich Kids. Okay. <laughs> so. Never even heard of that. Uh, the more you know, do 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 do. <laughs> Life of Brian Apocalypse Now and Rich Kids came out the same week. Alien was in its 13th week. Jesus! Alien just kept cruising on. Good for that movie. So that is a 10 for box office. And the final category is impact on the industry. It's a 10. It has to be a 10. It has to be a 10. Holy Grail's on 11. This movie's not a holy grail in terms of impact by any means and it's still one of the best comedies ever made ever made i hate talking about comedies it's it's difficult because sincerely hate it like really good ones what do you do you gotta you make go jokes to dick about jokes. dick van dyke's dangle that's <laughs> the best you can do <sighs> that is going to give monty python's life of brian a total score of 95 okay that is dangerously close because Critically, on Rotten Tomatoes, it's 96%. Audiencely, on Rotten Tomatoes, it's 93%. There's oh, not wow. a big window in between there, and we landed that plane perfectly. Just Look like Sully us. Sullivan on the Hudson, we are <laughs> safe. We did it. We are heroes. Cubicle Monkey, I love you. Big same. You're going to get the first Dolphy Dangle pick if we ever do one. <laughs> whether you want it or not. No, I'm just kidding. Consent is important. <laughs> <laughs> Unsolicited Dolphy Dangle picks are not recommended. We should probably put like a, a checkbox, like I am not a robot, whatever. And like when you have to pick the pictures, it's just Dolphy Dangles. Just all like, dangles. The back. It's like, yeah, click on the dangles. <laughs> Prove you're not a robot. One of them is just a picture of Dolph Lundgren's face. It's like, ah, uh, is it? No. Hey, none of these pictures of Thomas Lennon wearing boots. <laughs> New boot goofing's different from a dangle. Keep up, monkey. The absolute best. Great pick. Brian, all audience, August, continue. Say your thing. Audience. Why don't you go onto the list? It's got 50 movies on it at this point. You're going to go to random.org and you're going to pick another random movie for us to talk about next week, direct from our listeners. Yes. Uh, first, I want to make a note that Vincent Masafra sent us a email to add a movie to the list. And he wanted to say, P.S. Somehow, Dave, you always pronounce my last name correctly whenever you mention me on the podcast. The Italian in me thanks you. It's a no problem, Vincento. I've got you covered. Gabagool. Next week, we are going to be talking about, courtesy of It's Just Kevin, John Carter from 2012. That's an insane pick because it's a movie that got absolutely destroyed. It's looked at as one of the biggest box office flops of all time. And I know more people than not that like the movie. That's interesting. Uh, I've never seen it, so I'm excited. I haven't either. To... I'm really, yeah. really curious to see it. I don't want to give him props, but that is a well, really interesting pick. Give him props, and then I will follow it up with a little story I have. <laughs> okay, Kev, great pick. Thank you for submitting it. Um. 
one time I was playing Cards Against Humanity with It's Just Kevin and his whole family. And uh, this this ties back into this, I promise, because earlier we said something about uh, Pontius Pilate almost sounding like Pilates, the way it's spelled. Um, his dad pulls a card that says pedophiles, but he pronounces it as pedophiles, and everybody just <laughs> dies laughing. Uh, pedophiles is actually what they called uh, priests back in Latin times. Yeah, uh, it's the Roman god of uh, diddling little children. That's right. Stephen Fry left that out of his Mythos trilogy, but I'm glad he did. <laughs> Next week, we are talking 2012's John Carter. Until then, be sure to rate, review, and subscribe. Send us your movie suggestions either via email like Vincent Masafra or uh, on Facebook, however you want to get it to us. You can email us at beermeamoviepod at gmail.com. And of course, our patrons get that Dolph Double Dangle, get two picks. <laughs> They sure do. Uh, this month on Patreon, we're trying to wrangle everybody for a burger bracket, and we're going to see how that goes. Um, there might be something else happening this month. We will see. We got a lot of commitment so far. So it's looking good. You can follow us on our social media, at Pod on Twitter or X or whatever, if it's still a thing. And at Movie everywhere else, like Instagram and Facebook, uh, especially on Facebook, where we put up our, our posts. And we got one! Oh, Good. It's from Dave is sexy six nine six nine. He wants to know. I forgot to put up a post completely this time. <laughs> it's been so busy, guys. That's, <laughs> so busy. That's fine. Don't have kids. Dot dot dot. During the summer. During. The, yeah. Ship them off. Um, that's okay. I can I can fill in here. We did get an email from uh, Mr. Michael P. S. Warren. Hi, Michael. He uh, was out of town for a little while, uh, so he's fallen behind on his podcast, but he recently caught back up and he wanted to ask us a question about Last Action Hero. Oh, this is exciting. Yeah. Um, he says, oh, no, you've been in a horrible accident that left you one eye short, not wanting to look like a pirate or Dan Crenshaw. <laughs> this is not a political <laughs> podcast. You opt for a glass Speaking eye. of Pete Davidson. <laughs> <laughs> Your good buddy Benedict is offering to loan you one of his glass eyes so which one do you choose he says personally he's a fan of the smiley face one and he did send along a picture to jog our memory of the eyeballs that were available so uh the case has a red cat eye an eight ball a smiley face and like a blue eye with a yellow iris there's also the target one but uh, i think i'd go with that eight ball personally it's funny because my first thought was i would go with the captain america shield but i know that's exactly what dan crenshaw has <laughs> which is it's a great choice for him i'd give him a high five but i do it on his weak side where he can't see it coming so that he actually like leaves me hanging and he looks bad <laughs> but with this one i think i'd go with the the red cat eye i feel like i need some sort of eye situation going on or else it's gonna turn into a weird peter falk where are you looking help me please and I'm like <laughs> i don't want that oh i'm looking at the corner pocket always <laughs> always 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 i always call my shot then you pull the glasses down, you got the eight ball. Exactly. Uh. Whereas with me, it's, I hate Mondays. And I pull it down. And they're like, that's not very threatening. Thank you for that email, Michael P.S. Warren. Hopefully that answer uh, was to your liking. I don't think any answers are to anyone's liking ever. And uh, I'm sorry, and I love you. <laughs> and we aims to keep it that way. Exactly. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Thanks for hanging out with us. 
All Audience August continues. We got next week. We're going to be talking about John Carter. Get your picks in for the week after that. Brian, do you have anything else? That is it for me. Fantastic. Always look on the bright side of life, fellas. We'll see you next week. Bye.